You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. What is that wine you have there? Wine. 2004 what on your on your screensaver? It's the wine that made me decide to take what I'm doing seriously. It's the wine that, that turned you into a geek? Yep. Where'd you have that? I drank about a half case of this in 2008. Half a case? Yeah. I what was, was the wine that made you uh, become a wine writer? This one. Let's roll with this. What is the wine that made you turn into a wine writer? Hillebrand Showcase 2004 Cabernet Sauvignon. Interesting. All right. Mine was a 1999 uh, Shout de Charme uh, Cabernet Estate. Black. I called it Black Label. Michelle Bosk has told me it's a blue label. I think it still looks like a Black Label. You know, I'm holding out, and I really appreciate the work that uh, Michelle and Paul Jr. have put into the new labels and everything, but I'm holding out that they come full circle and go back to I those really, old, I really hope they do. I really like those old... And, and you know what? It's, it's really kind of funny, because I remember when they redesigned the labels for the first time, I thought they looked so great and fresh, but now I remember I was in um, the Prince of Wales Hotel. That's what that is, right there, on Niagara yeah, on the Lake. yeah. And they had a few bottles of old Chateau de Charme, like open magnums that were just for decoration in the in the restaurant, and just like the plain label with the shiny lettering on it was just like holy crap, that looks retro now. I would love to see some of those come back. So our wines, our wines that made us really love Ontario, mm-hmm. are five years apart. Mine's in '99, mm-hmm. yours is 2004. Hillebrand, Chateau de Charme, both pretty you know big iconic wines here in Ontario. Mm-hmm. What uh, what would you say would be your next wine that you remember distinctly? You could say, you know what, that was a, a fabulous wine for me. Who? That's a tough one. A lot of people say it's a Pinot, but I don't know if I've ever tasted the Pinot that makes me a Pinophile. Listen, I still, um, I refer to it as the Norman Hardy experience when people are just getting into Pinot. Because the thing is, when you're getting into wine, you're not making that leap to get into a $40 bottle of wine right from the get-go but i remember the first time i tasted norm hardy's prince edward county unfiltered county pinot noir and it was 39 bucks a bottle and i remember enjoying that bottle to the last drop and being like oh so that's what a 40 dollar bottle of wine tastes like I, i think my first real love for prince edward county uh came from rose hall run Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say it was a 2000 and, oh man, this is, it's, I want to say it's an eight okay. Rose Hall Vineyard uh, Pinot. Okay. And uh, and how that one materialized was I was doing a, a you know, a 12, 16 bottle tasting okay. in the basement of the, of the house and I'm I'm tasting all these wines, and I got to that wine. And I was like, "Wow, that's that's a really good wine. I really like that one." And so I finished my tasting, and it was the highest scoring wine at the time mm-hmm. that I had tasted. And I went back to have another glass, and it was even better. And then I had another glass, even better. And I had a third glass, even better, because we know you know when you do it just a tasting, it's only like an ounce. Yeah. But now I'm three three glasses deep. And I'm tasting this wine, and I pick it up to pour myself a fourth glass. And I'm looking, and it's about 7 o'clock at night, have not had dinner. The world is looking a little bit fuzzy. I've got an inch of wine left in the bottle, and I went, oh, shit, I need dinner. 
All right, I've got a good story just like that too. Uh, it was a bottle of 2012, the Good Earth Cabernet Franc, and I think that wine went for like 19 bucks a bottle, uh, a bargain. And the Cab Franc from the Good Earth is usually a bargain. But I opened up this bottle, I set it up in front of me, I'd made my notes on it, and then I sat down on my computer and I started playing a few video games. And 45 minutes later, I go to top up my glass, and the bottle's gone. Oh, those are dangerous just bottles. gone. And it's just like, I, I take this seriously. I don't plow through a bottle of wine like that, even. Like, we've been enjoying these two bottles throughout the entire evening that we have in front of us, 2008. Coyotes run Red Pond, Black Paw, Cabernet Franc. But, I mean, that was unusual for me. It was the same thing. I stood up to uh, go and complete my next task of the day, and then I had to sit down and yeah. postpone my next task of the day. Yeah, it's like the, the wobbly pops taken to a whole new level. Uh, so we've, uh, we've talked about your, your wine from Niagara that got you. We've mm-hmm. talked about the wine from Prince Edward County. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm going to say you've tried stuff in the Lake Erie North Shore. Is there a wine there that sold you on the Lake Erie? Uh one that has and one that always will. And uh, if there's any serious snobs listening to this, they'll probably turn their nose up at what I'm going to say. But it's just the Peely Island uh, VQA Cabernet Franc um, usually goes for 11 12 bucks a bottle. And I remember getting into that wine because I wanted something to cook with. I wanted something that tasted good. I wanted something that didn't have a lot of sugar in it. And I think the neat thing about that wine is even at the price, it tastes like Cabernet Franc. And it's very affordable, but it's always more ripe in terms of flavor profile than anything in Niagara. So it reflects the Lake Erie North Shore as well. Well, I have I have kind of two stories that kind of sell me on the Lake Erie North Shore as uh, as a region. One, I used to do uh, these things called wine challenges where I would get a grape variety and I'd have people come in, they would taste, they would score, and then I would announce, you know, the winner of of that uh, particular grape variety. And uh, it was uh, Pinot Noir that I did one year okay. because uh, people wanted me to. They I did a, uh, an online poll and said we'd like to try Pinot Noir. And surprisingly, the winner that year was a Peely Island Pinot. People just really dug that. Uh, it, uh, it was just a, a Pinot that they, they really could approach. It didn't have that earthiness to it. It wasn't typical Pinot. It was a very approachable Pinot. Mm-hmm. It was very affordable, and that was one of the one of the categories that you could score on was its affordability. Mm-hmm. People would taste blind. They would taste the wine, and then at the end, there was that little category that said you could rate out of ten its affordability, and uh, and and Peely you know, really showed that they could make a good Pinot that's affordable, $13.95, $14.95. But the, I think the wine that I truly went, you know what, um, the Lake Erie North Shore could do a great job uh, is from Colio mm-hmm. uh, when uh, Carlo Negre was there. Mm-hmm. He was making such beautiful uh, barrel-aged um, Cab Franc, Syrah, uh, Cab Sauve. He just, the CEV series was so beautiful. And I spent some time in the barrel cellar with Carlo, talking with him. And his passion was just, was was really something, it was palpable. You could feel how much, you know, this man from Italy came over and he was brought over 
to to do this project, and it was and, and his his love for the region, uh, and that and tasting with him really solidified my thoughts on the Lake Erie North Shore. And then I really think these days, who's whole, who's really carrying that mantle is Masedre. You, you know, oh yes, definitely Masedre. Um, I had a chance to go through 2012 and 2013 Cabernet Sauvignon from them. Uh, go to AndreWineReview.ca and you can read my reviews. Both of these bottles are just like they're they're breathtaking in terms of their quality. It's great to see that there's that small batch family run thing going on because Colio and Peely are both quite big wineries and like I said I know there's some people who probably turn up their nose at the fact that I love and and, and will regularly talk about the Peely Island Cabernet Franc but I think when you're talking about wine in a wine region that entry level category is the most important category in who's making wine in your region because the people who are making the wine in that category have to be making wine good enough to convince people to buy the second bottle I mean, the wine can be good enough. I mean, the, the price point will be good enough to get you to buy the first bottle, but the wine has to be good enough to get you to buy the second bottle. And I think we can say that, in, in terms of Ontario, Peely and Coley are both doing a good job at making sure that people are buying that second, second bottle. Second bottle, yep. And, I mean, if we're talking Niagara, we can say Peller is doing a good job as well, and uh, Chateau de Charme, Henry of Pelham. I mean, we're really lucky in Ontario to have people working in that entry-level segment, which we don't talk about enough. That's true. So we've talked. Uh, we've talked Niagara. We've talked Lake Erie. We've talked Prince Edward County. We have to go a little bit outside the box right now. If you've seen the new um, uh, wine, uh, wine about, country, we're talking about emerging regions. Emerging regions. Burning kiln. Burning kiln. Burning kiln is yours. Burning kiln. Cabernet Franc. Okay, they're they're pretty good. I I would agree with that. So so we're in agreement that Burning Kiln seems to be doing a good job there. But there's something that does not appear on the map. So we're talking about the wine wine country Ontario map, and you and I spoke about it earlier off microphone. But I'm talking about those virtual wineries, mm. ones that will not appear on the map because they they don't exist outside of the web online. Okay. They 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 have stuff sometimes sold within wineries. Some wineries are very friendly to virtual wineries. But if you were to give a shout out to say two virtuals, <laughs> I know that's tough. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh, all right, so he's gonna only two. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna toss out three. I'm gonna toss out three right. because I can't narrow it down to two. Let's okay. see if we agree. Uh, I'm gonna go 2027 sellers. Kevin Panagaka, yeah, yeah, knocking it out of the park with his Chardonnay that is even making you think of ripping up your. Well, card. it's it's really it's really hard. I tried that at Cuvée and it was what was the Aberdeen or the no, was that the Wismer? Was the Wismer at okay, Cuvée. so so it was the Wismer one at twenty dollars. That twenty two ninety five was an outstanding bottle of Chardonnay, and I looked at Kevin Panagapka and I wanted to punch him in the face. Because I'm like, I don't really? know. I, don't, I just wanted to high five him and give him a big hug. I know you wanted to hug him in a in a <laughs> in a different way, but uh, I just wanted to punch him because I was like, this is a great bottle of wine for that price. I was really floored by you know what he was doing at that price point. Winery number two, Butchelder. Thomas Bachelder. Thomas doing great work. There, but you know what? I think uh, I think that's a no brainer. Uh, I don't think a lot of people think of him as virtual, but he doesn't have a listen, place that listen. sells the wine. He doesn't the ambition, have the ambition of his of his of his of his project is 
uh, just unbelievable. But the fact, the quality of the product in all three regions. So anyone not familiar with Thomas Bischelder, what he's doing is he's making wine in Oregon, Niagara, and Burgundy because he believes they're the best climate for Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And True. he brings in these gorgeous wines that are truly reflective of the terroir where they made. So every year... You can pick up a bottle from each three regions, and they're definitely reflective of the vintage. Uh, and, and, and while he is doing that, he's still also making wine at places like Domaine Calus, yep. um, uh, and 16 Mile. I, I'm not sure he's working there anymore, but he was definitely attached to that winery. Oh, he was. Uh, at the beginning, he was. Yep. And just, uh, you know, he's left his mark, I think, on a lot of wineries. Granted, the one that he really did start, Le Clos Jardin, yep. is, now, is now long gone. But, um, and I don't know if you know this, Andre, did you know that Constellation Canada changed their name? I did, to Artera. Artera, yeah, Ontario Wines of, uh, of Canada, so yep. that's great. I don't know if um, we've ever mentioned that, because we had talked to uh, to Constellation at one point, and they didn't know what name they were going to go with. Yeah, and, but I mean, I think they're, like, they're, still, they're still holding the hand and, and vice, like, there's still some hand-holding going on with Constellation. Well, they are their agent. Yeah. In, so you had a third virtual, I'm, li- I'm waiting for this uh, one. Still new out of the hop, but it was Meldville with Derek Barnett. Um, it's really interesting because we were fortunate enough to taste his first Chardonnay last year. Yep. And I remember it being good. I mean, it was a little bit textbook. If anything, it was a, a little bit boring at the time we tasted it. Which one? The Chardonnay? The Chardonnay. Oh, yeah. And then, well, no, I still liked it. I know I still no, liked it. No, but I mean, I mean it, it was good. But when we're talking about Kevin and, and Thomas, yeah, okay. I wouldn't have held held it up to those two. But I recently tasted it at Archive uh, Wine Bar, where it is the cheapest Chardonnay on his buy the bottle menu. By the way, for forty bucks a bottle. Yeah, it has just aged so perfectly that it was like the moment when you put on when you put on three D glasses and the picture pops out at you. As your dog has has decided to go into the garbage can, which is oh boy. I don't know. He's probably chewing on a chicken bone or something like that. No, no chicken bones in the garbage. So yeah, I would I would agree with you on on Melville. Uh, I know his his uh, second edition is what he what he's calling them are coming out shortly. I love it. I love how he's he's keeping track. I think I think if anything, Melville is the winery to watch in 2017. And he and he also won the Ontario Wine Awards um, best, best Chardonnay under twenty dollars. I, I would shout out one more, and I and I tried his uh, 2016 Pinot Gris last night, and you know what my thoughts Sorry, on Pinot what Gris are you were. Saying? Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Lost your mind. But since we've talked Chardonnay, I thought I would throw my second most boring grape variety out there, Pinot Gris. But um, second most boring. What's the first? Chardonnay. I know Chardonnay. Oh, you're insane, man. Yeah, I have my moments. So um, Pinot Gris. Uh, from uh, Narai Cellars. The 16 is really beautiful. It has its moments. Uh, it's got a, a kind of a, a fruit-driven, more citrusy palate, while on the finish, it's got a bitter note that helps to balance out the fruit. If you haven't tried it, I would definitely give it a go. And there, in his 15 Viognier... No, the Viognier uh, was... Is, the Viognier was one that I, I, it stood out at at Cuvée. I don't know if we mentioned it gave it its proper due. Uh, yeah, but very good wine. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, so I what was, are we going to call this podcast? We literally just sat down because you were looking at. So the reason this this started was we were looking at the background well, on my I, cell phone, which is the bottle shot of 
the Hillebrand 2004 showcase. Well, it, Sauvignon. it made me wonder why you had that uh, that on your phone. And uh, it's it's all about where your love for wine starts. Yep. And it's it's not just about, you know, one day I thought, well, you know, there's a buck to be made oh, in wine. Okay, well, you know what? Um, since we're the day after Father's Day, I got to take it right back to the beginning then. We talked about my love of, of, of wine, what made me get serious about wine. But um, I always tell people that I was fortunate enough that when I got into wine, I was able to skip the whole Wild Vines, Blue Nun, Black Tower phase because my parents were drinking real wine. Granted, it was Lindemann's and Wolfblass, but I mean, I got to skip a lot of steps Real and, enough. Kind of, and kind of dive right in and, and figure out what was good and what wasn't. And I owe that to my father and my parents. So what was your first bottle of wine that you remember drinking? Not going, not the wow factor, but what oh, was your first I, bottle I remember, of wine? I just remember drinking Wolfblast Cabernet Sauvignon, really liking the fruitiness of it. See, mine, uh, mine would go to... My father was not a drinker in any way, shape, or form. My mother liked uh, wine to an extent. She drank uh, Shakespeare's favorite wine, Columbard. And, uh, but what my father liked was um, a Dinehard Green Label. That was his wine. He would buy it by the case, and on a Sunday night, he would pull out a bottle, and that was the wine. It's a slightly sweet... Uh, Riesling, but that's what the man liked, so you can't, you know, fault him. But you know, God bless him, because you know, I got, I got the wine bug somewhere, and it's gotta be, <laughs> gotta be there. Well, there we go. So that's our origin story. Yeah, our, I guess. Where does origin. your love of wine come from? Where does your wine lo- love of wine come from? Why don't you uh, tell us where your wine and uh, love comes from? We'd love to hear it. Maybe we can get a podcast out of uh, other people's. We can make fun of your. First bottle, or you know what? I don't think you can make fun of anyone's first bottle because everyone had to start somewhere. I well, mean, we're, well, we're, we're, I'm borderline able to get made fun of because of Wolf Blast. Well, uh, I think my wife's was um, um, uh, I can't Bonnie Dunes or something. Bonnie know. Dune is good wine. Oh, for God's sakes, man! Not Bonnie Dune. No, it's uh, oh wait, oh she's gonna get mad at me for not knowing this one. Uh, I don't remember what it is. It's not Bonnie Doon. All right. Well, when we figure out how to title this podcast, you can read it in the description. I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. Oh, I don't remember what it's called. Something your like name, your Two name's Vines. Pinkett. Oh, that's right. It's something like Two Vines. No, it's... Wild uh, Vines? Bonnie Vineyards. No, Bonnie... Oh, He's Michael Pincus from MichaelPincusWineReview.com. That's what I am, and, and, and old age is creeping up on me, and I can't remember my own name now. And just remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, leave a review, and you know what? Take part in the conversation. We'd love to hear about your wine stories here. This was definitely not a planned podcast, but I think we got some good stories out of this. And uh, as usual, good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.